Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to Dude, I Love That. I'm Liv, and today we're continuing the Summer Throwback Enneagram series with a series of movies. They're also books. They were originally books, but I have only seen the movies, so that's all I'm drawing from right now. But we're talking about one of my favorite series, The Maze Runner, and this one is going to be packed, okay? There's so many characters and so many people that I want to talk about, so we're just going to whip right through them. This might not be quite as detailed as I normally do just because there are so many people to talk about, but... We're going to go ahead and dive in. Now, I've talked previously about counterphobic sixes and action movies. And a lot of times we see counterphobic six characters because simply the six has to wrestle with their hatred of fear and especially the counterphobic six because remember the counterphobic or the one-to-one -one subtype six what they do is they actually run towards the fear instead of like the social and the self-preserving subtype sixes they actually run away from fear and so what we see in these action movies is normally we have a counterphobic six that's wrestling with their desire to face the fear, but also the fear of the fear itself. And so they're constantly in this battle, but that's what makes for a great movie, right? We're seeing that process of them trying to overcome their fears and they actually end up, like I've said previously, rising to the occasion. I talked about this in the Divergent episode, in Top Gun, all of that. So go check those out if you're interested because I really do deep dives on counterphobic sixes in those movies, or I'm sorry, in those episodes on those movies. But today we have another counterphobic six to talk about, and that is Thomas. And he's an interesting one because unlike other counterphobic sixes that I've spoken about in other episodes, he actually has a type one in his tri-type. And that's what I think really sets him apart because normally when we see a counterphobic six, they tend to have a type eight from the gut triad in their tri-type. Now, if you've never heard another episode of mine and you're like, what is she talking about with tri-types? Tri-types, so there's three triads in the Enneagram, right? We've got the gut, which is eight, nine, one. We've got the heart, which is two, three, and four. And then we've got the head triad, which is fives, sixes, and sevens. So when you're looking at your personality as a whole, instead of just as one type, you get a tri-type. And so basically what that is, is what number do I identify with most out of each of the triads? So mine, as an example, I am a type six on the Enneagram. I'm actually a counterphobic six, the same as Thomas. And I have that from the head triad, but from the gut triad, I identify most of the type eight. And then from the heart triad, I identify most of the type four. So that would make my tri-type a six, eight, four. And so for Thomas, in contrast, I really felt like, and of course I'll explain more in a minute of why I even got to this, but I really wanna highlight the difference here in this character because he's very different from what we've seen previously. And with that one in his tri-type, we see a lot more of this desire to be good and right and lead everybody in a direction that correlates with that, if that makes sense. And so definitely pay attention to this one because this is gonna be very different from what I've spoken about previously. Now. The first thing I noticed, because so just for background, I have seen the series multiple times, but my favorites are Maze Runner and Death Cure. I really don't like Scorch Trials at all. Maybe that's an unpopular opinion. I don't know, but I'm actually reading the Scorch Trials book right now. So we'll see what the heck happens. But um, I watched Maze Runner and I watched Death Cure again for this episode. And the very first thing that I noticed about Thomas in Maze Runner was really the fact that he questions everything. There was nothing that happened or that people asked him to do that he didn't bring into a question. He's like, okay, well, why? Or how? Or did you try? And so obviously that causes issues for everybody else because they're like, 
yeah, we've tried that a couple of times. It hasn't worked. Like you're not really bringing anything new to the table. But of course for him as a six, he's really trying to compute okay, is there a way out of this? How can we problem solve? Because remember the six, they're always trying to problem solve. And especially for Thomas, because he does have a five wing. I think he does lean on his seven in different times, but I think generally speaking, he's a six wing five. So he's got this really analytical side to him that I think is very interesting for this situation. Because of course, as the maze is always changing and he's having to take in so much new information at one time, I think for him having that five wing is very helpful because He's able to really break everything down, categorize in his mind. And I think even so far as to compartmentalize for him, because it can be very intense and scary to get that much information at once and be put in a situation where your life's in danger and you don't know what's coming next. The really interesting part of all of this put together is the fact that he is so action oriented. And I think a lot of times when people think of action oriented, they think of two things, either the gut triad. So, you know, normally it would be more of like a type eight and maybe the type one, but typically at eight, or they think of the aggressive stance, which is going to be the type three, the type seven and the type eight. And so I really don't think many people automatically go, oh, a six, they jump into action. But to be honest with you, the counterphobic six is the most courageous and brave and running towards fear person because the thing that separates them from that eight, the eight kind of has that all of the time. This six, it actually takes a conscious effort to switch off the desire to self-preserve and actually go towards the thing that's making you scared, nervous, anxious, whatever it may be, so that you can actually confront it and hunt it down. And I think there's something so special about the six because the process of actually going through that and saying, you're not going to get me, I'm going to get you before you get to me, is one that is really hard to explain to someone that doesn't get it or hasn't gone through it. And honestly, whenever I see movies like this, I'm always just like, yes, like this is exactly it. You get it. And if you're another counterphobic six, raise your hand, comment, DM me, something like that, because I want to hear what your thoughts are on this. Because you know, a lot of times in the Enneagram world, people don't hit on a lot of counterphobic six content. And so then when you see content that is on sixes, you're like, I don't fully relate to this. Like it kind of doesn't even feel like me. You know, I find myself really drawn towards content on eights because I have a lot of that in me. And so it's always interesting when you see these pop culture situations where we're seeing a true counterphobic six who's acting against their self-preservation instinct and going towards things. And of course, what you see with Thomas all the time throughout these movies is that he truly does want to save everybody. And again, that's where some of that type one from his tri-type comes in. He's very focused on saving people, doing the most possible. And so I think he's got a very, um, I would say his instinctual stacking is probably sexual, which is the one-to-one -one counterphobic. And then I would say social is probably next. I think he's pretty low on self-preservation. No offense, Thomas. I just think he very much runs toward things without abandon of bodily harm or injury or psychological damage. He's very much focused on a mission. And again, that's where I think we do see more of that one who's self-sacrificing versus if he were to have a type eight, if he was like a six, eight something, I think we'd see something very different, but I'll compare him to another eight in the series in a minute, because I think it's interesting to kind of see them next to one another. And so again, that type one really does that. And that's where we see throughout the movie, 
he really does want to save Teresa, even though she's abandoned them and she's been horrible and, and sold them out and completely like obliterated their chances of survival this entire time, even though she does it for a good cause. And we will talk all about that. But the thing is, he, like most sixes, because we're the loyalist, he continues to go after people and try and save them, even when they're really not good for him anymore, or when going after them isn't going to get him to his end goal that he's actually after. And so we do see that. And that's, again, where you can identify whether someone's a six or an eight. The eight would have dropped her like a hot potato a long time ago, because they're like, look, you're not on the team. Like you suck. You sold us out. And then the six, they're going to be like, no, there's like a connection here. There's a loyalty. I have to do this. And again, there's more of that type one that's saying it's not right to leave her. It's not right to do that. Like I have to go after her because that's the right thing to do. And that's the good thing to do. That's something that I think really separates him again from being a social or a self-preserving six. And it also separates him being a one in his tri-type instead of the eight. I think that's really interesting to point out. And then I did give him a type two from the heart triad as part of his tri-type because again, I really do think he's focused on helping people. He wants to really be someone that people can count on. And we see him, he's so easy at like, jumping into a leadership position, which I find interesting because the six will flip-flop. They'll either jump into action as a leader or they'll kind of wait to suss out like, what is the social dynamic here? And then make their decision. Whereas he's like, you're not moving quick enough. Let's go. And so that's something that again is unique about his character. And I, like, I really think the tri-type plays a lot into why he acts the way he does. And then, like I said, I want to compare him really quick to the type eight of the group. So you can see the difference. So Galley, oh my gosh, he is definitely a type eight. And you know, what's funny Originally, when I watched this movie again, since learning about the Enneagram, this was like, I don't know, two years ago, I actually thought he was a type one. And the reason for that was he's so adamant in the first movie about people following the rules. And he seems to really hate when Thomas, quote, doesn't follow the rules, even though Thomas like doesn't really know what the heck's going on. And so that seems to be a point of issue for him. And that's sort of what gets him and Thomas off to a rocky start. And I find it interesting that the more I watched as like I watched for this episode, so I was really paying attention to Enneagram types here, I found that he's not in fact a one, but he is a type eight. And I actually said, you know, I think he switches off between his wings pretty well, but to me, he seems a little bit more eight wing nine. I think he only gets riled up when he's provoked. So that's kind of where I'm bringing that from. But we see, especially in that first movie, he likes to spar and he likes to do that physically and verbally. And that's something that you'll definitely see with the type eight. They love kind of using sparring as a way to build relationships and to build trust with people. And so they're comfortable doing that. They kind of like when you push back. There's so many memes on the internet about stop being so mean to me or I'll fall in love with you. And even though that's not totally true, you can see what they're getting at. They, they like people that will push back against them because that shows that they respect them and that they take interest in them and that they're willing to be vulnerable and kind of put their cards on the table. And then it allows them to really build a good solid relationship. And so that's something that we see with him. Now, the interesting part of this is that he is very much committed, I guess is the best word, to their life in the Glade. He does not want to go anywhere that's not there. He's like, this is our home. This is our place. And I think there's a sense of he had established his role there and his leadership and his 
his place in that world, everything in him, he knew what he was doing in the glade. Like that was his place. And that's where it sort of solidifies that type nine in his, or sorry, as his wing. I think it makes more sense because he really does desire a comfortable life that he knows. It's too disturbing for him mentally to think about what if there is something out there? What if I have to adjust to a new normal? And I think if he had that seven wing as more of his normal kind of place of going, he would be excited to get out of this place and have like more room to run, more area, more things to explore. And then the type nine, they want to know what they're going into. They want to have peace and be comfortable. And so that's where I really think that nine wing is solidified. But again, throughout the movies, we see more of that seven wing come out where he's able to make split decisions. He's able to figure out, you know, how, how can I fit in here? How can this work out for me? And so again, that really highlights the importance of using both your wings. Another thing about Galley is he desires efficiency. He doesn't want to spend time and energy on things that aren't of the utmost importance. And that's what you're going to see from all the gut types. They they have a, a limited resource of energy that they're willing to expend. So they're going to be very choosy on what they spend it on. And if they feel like people are kind of lollygagging or they're just not getting to the point or they're doing things that are risky that are ending up taking more time, I guess, from the desired goal, hopefully this is making sense. But if they feel like that's happening, it's very frustrating for them and they're going to get upset and they're going to lash out or react badly. And so that's really what we see from him where he feels like, Thomas running in here just caused everybody anxiety and stress and worry, and he could have gotten himself hurt, which would have impacted us. And so that's where you're going to see the difference between the six is like, but this could be life-saving. This could be important. And I need to face this fear because this thing is staring me in the face and trying to get to me. Where Galley, you know, he's sitting there going, yeah, but doing that isn't efficient. We already have people that are for this. You need to spend your time on something that makes more sense. But in the end, he's actually mistaken because by Thomas doing that, he got further because he's a fresh set of eyes. And he understood that fact. He understood, you've been here for three years, but you haven't gotten anywhere. So again, the six, they're thinking big picture. They're thinking, okay, we need to solve this problem. What's been done and what needs to be fixed in order to get to the desired result? The eight, they're focused more on the efficiency. They're focused on okay, what's working? What can we continue to do to make this viable for us? They're very much that survivalist instinct, uh, survival-minded person and or type, I guess I should say. And so that's where that difference comes in and is really shown to us. The other thing really quickly that totally solidifies him being an eight. In the third movie, Death Cure, we see, remember the first movie, Minho, I freaking love him so much, but he ends up throwing that spear or javelin or whatever at Galley when he's all crazed. And he basically kills him, what we think he does. And we see in the third movie that when they go to rescue Minho from the crazy people at Wicked, we see that he has that conversation with Galley where he's, he says, I had to write this quote down because it was so good. So he's like, why are you helping us? I put a spear through your chest. And Galley goes, yeah, well, nobody's perfect, man. And gets over it really, really quickly. <laughs> so that's what you're going to see from that eight. Again, a huge difference between sixes and eights. The eight will get over it because they're like, yeah, I understand where you're coming from, whatever. Let's just move past it. Because again, they don't want to expend the energy on it. You'd have to really, really do something atrocious to an eight for them to harbor that deep of a problem with you. And then the six, however, they will very much not get over that because for them, it's it's a trust and a loyalty issue. And so they're going to be like, um, I literally cannot trust you. And so 
I can't continue this relationship and I'm not going to help you. And that's something, again, I wanted to bring that in because I think it's important to highlight the difference because so many times people are like, are they a counterphobic six or are they an eight? But Gally and Thomas truly are really good examples of why they're different. Okay, I have to talk about Newt next. Oh my God, I love Newt. I do love him so much. He was a pretty simple one for me. I figured out right away that he was a type nine. And, you know, his tri-type to me kind of fills up in the air, but I felt like I needed to give him one. So the only thing up in the air to me is if he's a nine five two or a nine two five, because he feels very two-ish and five-ish to me. I think what's interesting about him is he very much knows his place in the Glade and he's comfortable with it. He's kind of just learned to find his purpose there. And for him, he's always looking on the bright side. You constantly hear him trying to have that glass half full approach, not only for himself and his own situations, but for other people. He tries to show them, hey, it's not that bad. Look at this. And he does that a lot with Thomas in those scenes where it's just the two of them. And I feel like had he not been there, Thomas would have been way more of a wreck. And I think he would have really struggled to have as much uh, peace and confidence as he did have. I think Newt really was that stabilizing force, which of course is what the nines in our lives are. They are that stabilizing force. And they're the person that's able to bring us out of those despairing moments, I guess you could call them at times. A couple of other things are that he's so even keeled. There's not many times where you see him extremely emotional. And that's sort of what we know our nines for. They're good at diffusing situations where it can get crazy or people are angry or whatever. And the other thing is he's so loyal. And remember, nine has a connection to both three and six, which are very loyal types. And they all have connections to each other. So there's a lot of that going on. And he knows at the end of the at the end of the series at the end of death cure he knows that his time is up and he's comfortable with it and he's made peace with it and that's something that i feel like could only really come from a nine especially with those two and five in his tri-type i feel like he's someone who's very rational and very caring and the reason that he was able to die in the way that he did out of honestly just like pure friendship and loyalty to thomas i think that he was able to do that because of the peace that he made, because of the care that he had for everyone around him, because he didn't want to be the cause of everyone else's downfall. So he was willing to sacrifice himself for the greater good. And that's something that is so freaking special about him and just genuinely solidifies him being a nine with that two and five in his tri-type. Speaking of fives, I have to talk about Minho next. I love him. I said that before, but I do. I freaking love him. And you know, he was hard for me to type. I had watched these two movies and I still was like, what is his type? And then when I really started getting into the nitty gritty of what do I see from him? What is he constantly doing? I'm like, you know what? He's rational. He's stable. He's very even keeled, but in a different way than Newt, like I just talked about. Newt was very much looking on the bright side. He was kind of happy-go-lucky, whereas Minho, he's always very steady, stable, calm, and I felt like I was getting more of that type five from him versus a nine. Now, he might have a nine in his tri-type, totally could. The difference with him is he's able to jump into action a little bit quicker, and he's able to play out how things are going to happen in his head and then make a move, and that's something you're going to see from the type five, because for them, everything is on this playing field of what move will I make that's going to get me to where I need to go with the least amount of effort and the most precision because they really want to, or I guess I should say this, they don't want to be at the mercy of 
not having the insight and knowledge they need to make decisions. And so for them, they want to kind of have everything laid out on the table for them mentally so that they can make the best decision. And they're very much a self-preservation type. You know, they are worried about having what they need in order to get the job done and to have themselves be safe. And so the interesting thing with Minho, and this is why I think he actually has an eight in his tri-type, not so much a nine, because we do see he's one of the runners. So he's constantly putting himself in danger daily. We see not only is he so good at that, but he's the one that's been tracking the movements of the maze. And so that requires a very mentally acute is that a right way? A mentally acute person? Yeah, that makes sense. And so for him, he's tracking minor movements, he's tracking data, and he's analyzing things, and he's coming to a conclusion. And so that's where I really do see more of that type five for him. And again, like I said, fives are a self-preservation based type. And I think we see that when Thomas runs into the maze, and Minho's there, and he's like, great, you just got us killed. And he does leave Thomas because he's trying to preserve his own life. And so, you know, not to say that like fives are disloyal or anything like that. That's totally not what I'm saying. But I'm saying when push comes to shove and it's your life or someone else's, you're not really going to see the five so much jump into action to save someone else at the risk of their own life. And I mean, I think we can say that about most people. I don't think there's a lot of people that would sacrifice their own life for the good of someone else because you, your mind is made to be like, okay, wait, the danger, I need to get myself out of this. And so that's where for him, he's like, okay, there's not a good odds of this working out. And so I'm going to go do what I need to do to make sure I survive. And who can blame him again? It totally makes sense. And so a couple of other things that I just wanted to highlight super quickly is he hates liars and traitors. And that's something that we see a lot in that third movie. And that's why I gave him a six wing because he really does have a sense of you need to be loyal. And if you're not like part of the team, then I, I have nothing to do with you. And he hates when people are not who they said that they were. And that's something you're going to see a lot from that five and that six. And another thing, he really is sturdy. Like, I don't know another word to describe him other than sturdy. And that's something that fives really are that person. Like I said, they're so even keeled and they're calm, but they're not calm in like a serene kind of way. Like you'll find from a nine, they're calm in a way of they know what needs to be done and they do it and they do it very methodically. And so again, it's different even from that type eight because the eight knows what they need to do and they go do it, but they might do it in a more extreme way. Whereas the five, they're very chess minded. So every move that they make, like I said, is thought out, planned out, methodical. And then since I just mentioned Teresa, let's go ahead and talk about her. So, oh golly, she drives me nuts. I just cannot even believe what she did. I hate that so much. And again, this is like my six coming out where I'm just like, I can't stand it. And again, I'm going to draw a comparison here just because I feel like it really makes the most sense for describing her type. We see in this movie that she is extremely loyal to a cause and a cause that has been sold to her as helping the most people and whatever. Whenever you see stuff like that, just it's dangerous. Just in in general, whenever someone's like, we're doing, we're helping the greater good, we're what, just run, never good, never works out. It's always something horrible and something that kills people. And so for them, they've been like selling her this lie, but she's also bought into it when she's seen the flip side of it. And in the first movie, she's so regretful. She's like, this is horrible. How could I have done this? How could I have been part of this? And then she quickly like sells her soul back to Wicked like a moron. And you know, whatever. It is what it is. Somebody in the story has to be the kind of villain. And I guess it's her. But the interesting thing is, 
And we see this a lot in that third movie when Thomas finally confronts her or yeah, no, Thomas confronts her and also Galley confronts her. And the parallel I want to draw here is she's basically the equivalent of Caleb in Divergent. Okay. That's who she is. And again, I say that because she is also a type one with a two wing. The problem here is that when the one believes something is right, they are completely dedicated to it. They are going to follow that through no matter what. And the problem is she has aligned herself with false values and false good, I guess you could call it. And they have told her that we're doing this. We have to sacrifice the few for the greater good. And the problem is, even though she's seen the flip side, she's so dedicated to these ideals and these people that she turns on what's actually right and what's actually good in order to go back to the system of thinking that she has bought into. And again, like I pointed out in the Divergent episode, the problem with this way of thinking is that when facts are presented to you that are actually true, you're completely blind to them because there's this situation that takes place of you having to denounce what you've believed in, what you thought was good and right for so long. And it's scary to do that. It's scary to think that you have bought into a complete lie. And for her, she kind of thinks that she can still, you know, as a one does, she's like, I can still bring about order and rightness and goodness by returning to wicked and carrying out what I set out to do. However, because the thing as a whole is so corrupted and wrong and bad, there really is nothing she can do. And she does find herself back into the same thing that she was before. She's she's buying back into these lies that she did find out were wrong in the first place, but she continues to go back to it. And that's the struggle. And so again, she has that, that one mentality of, I want to do good. And we constantly hear her saying that, but there were other ways that she could have done good that would have actually been extremely helpful and would have set so many people free. And so again, she has that strong two wing and she's like, I know I can do this. I know I can help people. If I can just get in there, I can be the one. And that's where sometimes we see, because remember the type two deals with pride, that's their passion. And so the problem here is what I pointed out before. She believes that in herself, she can change the situation at large. But the problem is you'll never be able to change a horrible situation when you're aligning with those values. Does that make sense? Hopefully it is. But in these type of dystopian movies where there's like a quote government entity that is controlling things and is, uh, I guess, taking away freedoms from people, the one in the group always thinks that they're going to be the one who can make things right again. But when it's that bad, it's never going to happen. And so she's wrestling with that the whole time. You can see she's struggling because she does want to be right, good, and orderly, but it's not going to happen. And so again, as, as someone that's in the idealist triad, the ideal is kind of her God, you know, doing what's best and ideal and perfect is really the compass for her life. That is her true North. And so for her, those things outweigh relationships that she's made with people. And, you know, at the end of the day, she's going to go towards the greater good. And she has a very um social subtype mindset. She's very much the person that is looking at how actions impact the group. And so that's something that, again, when these people are telling her at Wicked, your work is so important, you're doing these things that are going to positively impact so many people, she's quick to buy into it because that's what she wants. That's genuinely her heart. But like I said, it doesn't happen. And so when Thomas confronts her and is like, do you regret what you did? And she says, I did initially, but I would never change what I did because I know what I did was right. That's where I'm like, oh, 100% she's a type one with a two wing. You'll hear that all the time. The one is like, no, even though it might've upset you or even though it might not have been what you wanted, I know what I did was right because I did it based on 
what I thought was the perfect thing to do. And of course that one wants to be the role model. They want to be that good thing. They want to be a good force in the world. That's why you'll see a lot of ones that work in the justice system or at nonprofits or their foster parents or something like that. They really want to impact and make the world around them better. And so that's where I do love these dystopian movies so much because you see these Enneagram types in their full extent and you see the shadow sides and how certain types when they get to low levels of health, they act out of things that aren't the greatest. And then you're also going to see the high sides of these types where there's, you know, taking life by, by the, whatever it is. What is that term? You're just, you're taking life in your hands and you're just like, you know what, I'm going to do the best I can do. And I'm going to be the best I can be. And so, you know, if you're like me and you love the Enneagram, check out these movies because seriously, they're the best for typing characters. Okay. Just three more characters and we will be out of here. So I want to talk really quickly about Jorge. Now, again, I did not watch Scorch Trials and I know that's where he enters, but from what I remember, I really have to say, I think he's a five with a six wing. And the reason I say that is because he very much is like, I know what needs to be done and I've thought it out and I'm very much a head type. I think that's where he's coming from. And every move that he makes, you know, he's, he's very suspicious of people and he's cautious and he doesn't make a move without really thinking it through. And so that's again, where I really find that five, six kind of switching off because he's someone that is very protective of Brenda and took her under his wing. And that's again, because five has that relationship to a type eight in health you're going to see more of that. And so he is focused on his people. He's going to do whatever he needs to do to protect his people. But if it comes, if, let me say this, if the greater group of people that he wants to protect comes at the cost of his close circle, he's going to sacrifice the greater group for his close circle. And that's something that you'll see with that five, again, that very self-preservation mindset, but everything he does really is for the best. And it's what he really thinks is right. And so, you know, that's what he acts out of. And he always ends up being right from what I remember. Again, I only watched, uh, he was only in death gear that I saw, but at the end of the day, everything that he did really did work out. And then Brenda, of course. So she was really interesting. I had such a hard time typing her. She was probably the hardest one. However, in the scene in death gear where she's driving the bus with all the kids, we see that she's very encouraging to them, even in this really bad situation. And it's really scary. And she's like, we we're going to die. Like this is it. But what she does is she sees that the kids are scared. And her first thing to do is to encourage them and be like, it's all right, guys, I got this. Don't even worry about it. You're going to be fine. Just, you know, whatever. And so you see a deep care from her and she's also very resourceful and she uses her influence in a way to positively impact the group. And that's why I typed her as a two-wing one. I really do think that she has that two heart and she wants to care for people. But of course, in these extreme circumstances where it's literally life and death, you're going to see her acting more out of that type eight, because remember the two goes to eight in stress. And so we see some of that from her. We see this switching off between wanting to be caring, but also wanting to be like, I will get in your face and rip you into one. And so she's focused on what do I need to survive, but also caring for those around her and really trying to be the person that she's been the whole time throughout all the stressful situations that she encounters. And so that's why I really do think that she's a two. And then of course, that one wing, I think for her, She's focused on what's right and good. And remember, she doesn't want to leave Thomas at the end of death care. She's like, no, I'm coming to get you. I'm not going to leave you behind. I know 
that that's what I have to do because you've been there for everybody else. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to do what you want me to do, which is take off with everybody else and save them. You're worthy of saving too. And I'm going to come after you and I'm going to make sure that you're safe. And she puts herself in the middle of a firefight in order to do that. And again, that's where you see the care and the loyalty and the, what's the right word for that one wing? The justice, I guess, of that two wing one in these situations. So incredibly amazing and powerful. And again, since we kind of just like ripped on (laughs) on Teresa being a one wing two, remember, look, Brenda's a two wing one. She could have had just the same issues that Teresa did, but you know what? We see the two complete opposites of these types. Whereas Teresa's more in the shadow side, which is of course the the problematic uh, downfall when you get into those low health levels. And then we see Brenda who's thriving in this. And she's like, I'm not going to let these situations harden me and make me forget about my relationships and having that be a priority. And so there are two sides to every story. Every type has the great things about them that are so amazing and needed in this world. And they also have the things about them that when they get in those low health levels can be bad for their own health and the health of the group. I mean, everyone's prone to it. So there is not a single type that doesn't deal with a low side. We all have them, but just like we see with Teresa and Brenda, there's redemption. There's something great that can come from every single type. So amazing to see these two side by side. And then last but not least, Albie because he's such a big part of the first movie and of course he's been there the longest and so I really want to highlight him so he I decided is a one wing nine this is another great one I totally forgot about this but this is another great comparison for him and Teresa so Albie has very much this principled organized leader mindset and he's somebody that we see him, he's so compassionate as a leader and he's so calm and so caring, especially when Thomas first gets there, you can see the fear in his eyes and the concern, but Albie's like, hey, it's okay, I've got you. I've made this place run in a way that people can come into the fold and feel cared for and feel like they have a place here. And so that's what you're gonna see from those healthy ones who are so great at establishing systems and really helping people to get plugged in and find their place. And so that's where, again, you can see this contrast because really ones do bring that order and that rightness and that goodness. And he's found a way to do that in his situation. And honestly, he could have gone crazy being up there for a month all alone, but he didn't. He found a way to channel that potential anxiety and nervous energy and fear. And he channeled it into what can, what good can I do here? There's not a lot around me, but I know I can do something great here. And so that's what he did. And he really made his place in the glade. And he decided, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I don't know what's happening in the next day, two days, month, year, but you know what? There's something that I can do here and I'm going to establish these systems. I'm going to get things going and I'm going to make my mark here in whatever way I possibly can. And of course he does that. And that's where all those other boys were able to thrive because he set something up that really helped them to feel purposeful in this kind of waiting period, I guess you could call it, or a stalemate that they're in of like, what am I doing here? I don't remember anything, but he really was the perfect choice to send up there first to establish those systems. If you're going to send anybody up there first, you send a one. Anyways, that's it for this episode. I really hope that you enjoyed. There's so many other characters I wanted to talk about and we'll probably dive in more on Instagram. So be sure and follow me over there at Hey, it's Liv James. And we talk all about Enneagram. I have all the behind the scenes posts from these episodes. And remember, I always do those vibe posts where I have really cool, like unseen photos from every movie or TV show I do. I try and find really cool photos for you guys to kind of set the scene, but check it out over there at Hey, It's Liv James. And of course, new episodes every Tuesday and Friday for you. So be sure and check back on Friday for a new one. All right. See you next time. Bye.